Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Chase, white circle, shoots and scores! A shorthanded goal for Jonathan Tate. Kubelik in front, he shoots and scores! Dominic Kubelik on a belief line, right circle, shoots and scores! He set it up for Carpenter to slice and he scores! Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Is this the game that gets Alex to bring it back on track? Here's Kane, top left circle, Sydney scores! In front of the net, I believe to bring it, tapped it, and the Hawks have finally solved Pecorino in this hockey game. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. The power play goal, he's standing in front of the net, put the breakaway in overtime. That's one where you're going, wow. Picked off by Keith. Did a break and a breakaway in overtime for the win on the Predator line. Shoots and scores! The cap! It's an overtime game winning goal! That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast alongside Joe Brand, our usual Blackhawks reporter and uh, your weekend voice for sports on WGN Radio. And I'm Chris Bowden, your Blackhawks pre- and post-game host here on WGN Radio. And hot you know what, it is the middle week of July and we have what else but Blackhawks trading camp. It's uh, part two of training camp for season 2019-2020, but... Man, it felt good to be out at Fifth Third Arena and to see hockey players on the ice once again. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the lead story, Joe, is the more things change with training camp hockey, the more things stay the same with an injury concern or a sickness concern. And let's face it, in these times, every one of the 24 NHL clubs, as they try to get ready to resume action, is going to have these questions in one form or another. Some teams have already lost players to players who feel they are obligated due to family situations or just by their own choice not to risk themselves to any danger with this pandemic. And now we have a question mark uh, over one of the uh, Blackhawks players who we've had a question mark over a lot over the course of the past three years and a pretty important one in terms of the Blackhawks' hopes if they are to uh, make some kind of um, existing and longer run than a best-of-five qualifying round series. I like the way you put that. The more things change, <laughs> the more they stay the same. Yeah, uh, kind of a roller coaster of a day. First day of training camp. All right, players are shipping in. And Corey Crawford's not out there, and then we find out Corey Crawford is unfit to play. Which I, is the new terminology right, now. Yeah, the new How collective about bargaining agreement. And and of course it's this comes right after okay maybe a year or two but but after number one NHL teams typically do not give too much detail when a player is injured we all remember the upper body and lower body days and then Blackhawks were one of the teams that said you know what we're going to start being more definitive about this and now they can't um, okay you look at it I, I look at it three ways Corey Crawford unfit to play. Let's say he has coronavirus. Obviously, very, very scary. Something we, I, uh, number one, we hope whatever it is, he's okay in the long run. His family's okay. That's, that's the main concern, of course. But 
coronavirus that that would maybe make sense with the situation and you know no need to say it uh the way Jeremy Colleton and Stan Bowman talked today, it seemed like they weren't too concerned about the future with Corey Crawford in that sense, but you can't really determine what, because they were just being very uh, professional with everything that they said. Okay, maybe it's not coronavirus. Maybe it's just a, a slight sickness, and that's why he wasn't there. But then the question comes into, well, where was he during the earlier days where uh, players could come back if they wanted to, and then of course you get your speculation and you get your Twitterverse. Exactly, <laughs> your, your rumors, your all those things start to swirl, and of course Corey Crawford has a track record of being the victim or the person of these rumors and everything. So yeah. those are not going to go away. We'll expand on this a little bit more. First, let's hear what uh, Stan Bowman and Jeremy Carlton did say. More or less uh, what they were allowed to say or allowed themselves to say as uh, Corey Crawford was the only player who is listed on this roster that was released on Monday morning, just uh, maybe an hour and a half or so before players took the ice on training camp. He is listed on that roster, so this is not an opt-out situation. So, uh, you know, Corey is is there in terms of being a member of the team, but let's hear what uh, first the executive vice president and general manager Stan Bowman had to say, followed by the head coach Jeremy Colleton. You know, the way we are handling this is, you know, we're looking at uh, the guys that are here and and ready to play. And when Corey's in that group, then we can talk about Corey. But uh, you know, the focus today was to get ourselves back going, and uh, we've got four goaltenders here. And you know, the, the goal is to be prepared when when the time is right. We've got some time, certainly. Uh, you know, our first game isn't for several weeks here. So, uh, you know, that that's a tough one to speculate on. Today, Corey's unfit to play or to participate. Um, so it's an opportunity for uh, for now for those other guys to, to compete. We'll probably rotate those three guys, Subban, Delia, and Lankinen. We'll rotate them through the first group. It's a great opportunity for them and a great opportunity for us to uh, evaluate them. And, and uh, we expect a lot of competition and we have confidence in all three of those guys that uh, they're going to make it hard on us and, and uh, play at a high level. To expand a little bit what we mentioned previously about uh, the collective uh, collectively bargained um, tact that players actually wanted. And I think uh, management agreed rather than you know, being a big reveal in terms of whether a certain player is sick with the coronavirus or whether he is just injured. Uh, the the philosophy moving forward that was agreed upon by both players and management moving forward here as part of this return to play was to keep everything vague. So there's not speculation. There will be league-wide numbers that will be released daily, I believe, in terms of tests and positive tests. Uh, but there will be no specifics by team uh, or by individual. So you are not going to hear anybody come out and say or confirm anything. So, uh, Joe, you started speaking before we heard from uh, Jeremy and Stan about the possibilities. Perhaps Corey is sick. Perhaps it is just a muscle pull or something like that or or some other type of injury, or they just feel he is not uh, physically conditioned yet uh, to play for whatever reason. So, uh, it's hard to, to sling arrows and, and throw darts and point fingers at one particular situation. But uh, 
by by hockey fans' nature, you know, uh, they they are bound to speculate. We're not going to go there. All we know is it's a situation where Corey is on the roster. He's not ready to go now, and as a result, uh, the for the time being, for the foreseeable future, albeit with the concern over the fact that there is less than two weeks before this team has to decide on 31 players to get on a plane and head to Edmonton, provided, you know, uh, all the teams stay healthy enough between now and then. There is only two weeks to get ready, and the goaltender, who is going to be a a key part of this team potentially uh, moving on from any qualifying round, uh, he is unavailable at that point, and and obviously it raises a certain level of concern. Uh, Nothing drastic, but again, uh, the unfortunate part is there's a finite number of days here, and the clock is ticking right now. And I think the biggest thing you bring up is, yes, he is on the roster as of right now. So how you mentioned earlier about maybe a muscle pull. The Hawks, see, and this is what I wonder, and the NHL is prohibiting these teams from, from saying anything. So I feel like even if the Hawks wanted to say it's just a muscle pull or something that they could normally do, they would, but you also don't know what's going to happen in the future. So if they say it's a muscle pull and then something more drastic turns up, then they kind of shoot themselves in the foot by saying, oh, this is nothing to worry about. He'll be back in the ice soon. So in some ways, okay, the Hawks are following the rules, and they're also just making sure that they're not hurting themselves in the future. But like you also said, the significance of this is so big because Corey Crawford's absence from the team is probably the most significant person you could lose in a playoff run. Yes, the team is totally different. The offense is totally different without Patrick Kane. But you're talking about a multi-Stanley Cup winner in between the pipes as opposed to Malcolm Subban, who hardly even played last year. And that's just one of the guys out of the whole goaltending uh, competition that they would have. Yeah, Malcolm Subban and, and Colin Delia were the guys who were out with the, the main chunk of players on Monday. Basically, the way they split it up was uh, the, the main portion of practice was with those players that you would expect to be um, uh, in that uh, core of players. Actually, everyone you would kind of expect, provided everyone remains healthy, to be on that plane to Edmonton, with the exception of Corey Crawford. So it was Colin Delia on one end of the ice, Malcolm Subban on the other. And the other options, of course, were uh, Kevin Lankinen, who is just coming off shoulder surgery in uh, March, but is deemed healthy enough to play, and Matt Tompkins, who also got some time down in Rockford. And then, of course, the other aspect of this, unfortunately, is this come, you go back to the trade deadline in, in late February, um, that the trade of, of, of Robin Leonard, the old hindsight is uh, of being 2020. Corey Crawford played great. Uh, once Robin Leonard, he was playing great before the trade deadline and was, perhaps was a factor in Robin Leonard getting dealt. And uh, with the way the Blackhawks were trending, perhaps not making the playoffs, although not giving up on that dream, it was part of the, the reason that Robin Leonard was, was dealt. And now hindsight being 2020, if Corey is unable to go, it uh, results in you having to rely upon Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia, a, a, a much less uh, tasty option. Than you'd have with a Robin Leonard in the net who's now in Vegas. Yeah, I used the metaphor of a roller coaster earlier. I mean, how about the saga that has been the trade that the Blackhawks made of sending Robin Leonard over to Vegas? It started with, you know, why get rid of this guy? Robin Leonard's been been fantastic. He could be the future goaltender for this team. Then, uh, okay, the sights don't look that great for the playoffs. Let's let's see what we can get for him. Oh, 
Blackhawks' return was not that great for Robin Leonard, blah, blah, blah. We had one podcast where we talked about how the Blackhawks had a steal because if there's no rest of the 2019-2020 season, they basically just... Gave Robin Leonard for four or five games for the Vegas Golden Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and, now, and now we've got a total 180. So uh, <laughs> up and down totally with this saga of the Robin Leonard trade and... Yeah, again, you're not going to see, or you're not going to know what the final turnout is until these playoffs get going. And our hope is that uh, Corey will, yeah, and Corey has a history of when he does come back, being able to find his groove rather quickly. But again, uh, the clock is ticking here with uh, you know two weeks to go before this team is uh, on a plane uh, bound for Edmonton, uh, provided everything goes well. And so along those lines. Who'd have thunk at, at the time of the stoppage that if we were sitting here saying, okay, if we do get to play hockey again, who would have surmised that Corey Crawford might not be ready to play and Brent Seabrook would be? But yet, nevertheless, Brent Seabrook is one of those guys on the ice on Monday after going through three major surgeries in a five-week span from late December to early February, first the shoulder and then each hip had operations, but nevertheless, here comes the old war horse. He is uh, back on the ice, and uh, among those core players who uh, are, are you know hungry and, and looking for another opportunity as the door has opened to another Stanley Cup. And uh, the two players that uh, the Blackhawks made available to speak with the media were Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith, both a pair of three-time Cup winners, both Conn Smythe winners as well. And uh, both of them, in their turns with the media, did talk about Brent Seabrook. You'll hear them react to that uh, when we hear from each here. But let's first hear from the uh, two-time Norris Trophy winner, Duncan Keith, on a wide variety of subjects as uh, he returned, including his, well, enhanced social media stature here. We saw some of uh, what Duncan was looking like during his downtime, his zen, if you will, and, and his workouts. Uh, but in a number of other topics here, he closes out talking about this newfound opportunity and, you know, getting through the importance of this team getting through the first, uh, these two weeks here before they board a plane for Edmonton. You know, being careful around their teammates, around the city, now that they're all gathered back here, it seems like a comfortable place. It seems like old times, but everyone has to keep in mind that these aren't regular times of of years past until we get through this pandemic. So a number of the topics that uh, Duncan Keith discussed here, you will hear the Q&A with reporters. But he first offered his thoughts about uh, how things went, in his mind, on day one of training camp number two of the 2019-2020 season. You guys are moving pretty good for, for uh, you know, not being together uh, for as long as we have. So I think it was a good start, and, and uh, we're going to try to build off that uh, today and, and uh, keep trying to build here as camp goes along and and uh, improve our, our skating, our puck handling, and uh, our movement. And uh, I think as camp goes along, we're going to try to, you know, get more into the specifics of, of how we want to play and, and things like that. But today definitely felt great to, to get back on the ice and be moving with all the guys again. Certainly a lot of uh, skating there and conditioning at the end of practice. Uh, how did that go and, and how do you think that kind of uh, intense mentality will help uh, get the team back ready for the playoffs? Yeah, I think it was good. Um, you know, it's nice to get a little bit of a skate there, uh, get the lungs you know, working and the legs, uh, feeling that lactic acid again. Uh, um, you know, I think we moved pretty good for, for the first practice and then to finish off with the skate. Um, I think everybody knows that, 
um, when we're conditioning and we're training, it's, it's one thing to be in the gym and, and on the track, but it's another thing to be out on the ice skating. So I think we, we all, uh, you know, can't say that those are the funnest things in, in the world, but, uh, I think we all know it's kind of a necessity, uh, especially right now with such a short camp that, uh, you know, we've got to be ready to go come, uh, that, that first game and, and those little, all those little things that we just did and that, that skate at the end is, is going to help us make sure we're ready to go. So, um, you know, like I said earlier, we're going to try to build off of today and, and take it into tomorrow and, and just keep trying to get better and better. You've known Brent a, a long time, obviously. Are you at all surprised to see him, you know, make it here and fully participate after having three surgeries in the winter? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I know the surgeries that he had are not uh, not easy surgeries to overcome, and I think that's a testament to, to his his drive and dedication, his commitment, and uh, you know. I thought he looked good out there today. I mean, uh, it's been a long time since he's played a game. And then to be back out here um, going full steam with the guys, you know, he looked good. Um, you know, but I think that, uh, you know, as a friend and teammate, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, he's he's smart. And uh, I know Brent is uh, is fully aware of his body and, and what he wants to do. And, and uh, I think you kind of just, uh, you know, let him do his thing and, and, push it at his pace until, uh, you know, he feels a hundred percent. And so I don't know how he's feeling now. I didn't talk to him, but I think he, uh, he looked good and it's great to see him back out there. Uh, it's always uh, a lot more fun when he's on the ice with the guys. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's impressive. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a quick turnaround really. And then to be joining the group, uh, in the middle of a summer with, without a proper, uh, you know, kind of a lead up to it, to the training camp, how it would normally be uh, to start a year. And then you have that training camp with an exhibition games and then a regular season. So uh, I think that just shows the kind of character that he has and uh, the commitment. So it's, uh, you know, let's, uh, we all take note of that. And uh, I think that it inspires all of us. Thanks. Hi, Dunk. Um, how mm-hmm. much of your, daily routine around the rink is disrupted by all the safety protocols. How normal does it feel to be out there? Is it weird? Is it strange? Is it surreal? Or does it just feel like another hockey practice? Well, I guess in a lot of ways, it just feels like another hockey practice, but it is a little odd to see the coaches there with the masks on. And, and obviously we have the protocols that we need to follow coming to the rink before we get here. And then once we get here, uh, things are different. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, hockey's hockey, and uh, we get out here, we, we get to the rink, and we're preparing uh, like we normally would before a practice. Um, you know, the extra testing and the extra precaution doesn't really uh, affect us too much, really, I don't think. Um, you know, I think more than anything, I think we need to be careful. We need to be smart away from the rink, um, especially right now. And until we get to the bubble so that we can give ourselves the best chance of, of everybody uh, going in there, being healthy and have our full group. But um, like I said, when, once we're at the rink here and we do those uh, tests and uh, it, it's pretty normal, you know, normal practice, it's a little bit harder to hear the coaches. And, I, and I'm not great at uh, following along on, on which practice, uh, which drill we're doing. So it, it makes it even more complicated for me when I can't really understand them. But that's why I got a 19-year-old Boki teaching me out there, keeping me, uh, you know, 
keep telling me what we're doing for the drill. So I got I don't have Siebs as my partner. Normally I relied on him to tell me everything on what drill we're doing. So now I got Boki doing it. I was just wondering about uh, playing. I mean, you guys feed off the adrenaline at the United Center and the anthem and everything that goes with it. Uh, is it uh, how strange you think it will be playing in uh, the bubble with uh, no fans? And is it going to give Edmonton any advantage since they don't have fans either. I don't know if it gives them any advantage. I think teams are pretty, pretty fair playing advantage. I mean, they're in their home arena, but at the end of the day, the fans aren't there. Um, they might have more of an advantage, obviously, if they had their fans there. Uh, but, you know, I'd like to think that it's pretty even. Um, you know, when we talk about not having any fans there, it's definitely going to be a strange feeling. It's It's been a long time since we've, we've played hockey without uh, fans in the building. Um, you'd have to go back to minor hockey where it was just basically your parents up there. Um, but, you know, for the most part, an empty, an empty building. Um, you know, it's a unique, uh, unique experience and a unique situation that uh, I don't, nobody's, nobody's gone through. Nobody's played at this level with without fans. So, um, I think that, you know, that's something that we all have to deal with. And, uh, you know, it's up to each individual to, uh, to find a, a figure out a way to, to be at their best. And, you know, I don't know that, uh, I obviously think that the fans can, can certainly, uh, add to that, uh, that feeling of, uh, of playing hard, but, you know, we're all, we're all here. We're all, you know, re- getting ready to go and, and play these big games and playoffs. So, um, you know, I think that it's important as players that we, we focus in and uh, focus in on, uh, on just doing what we have to do, uh, and at being our best, no matter what situation that is. And, and that, that hasn't really changed from the start of our careers. So this is just another wrinkle that, uh, we're going to have to deal with. You, you obviously were a lot more active on social media during this pause. What, what went into that decision and what's, what's it been like to, I, I guess, to be more present on Instagram and, and Twitter and such? Well, I think for me, I think probably more more than anything, it was just timing in my life. You had the time to do it, um, you know, focusing on uh, spending time with my son Colton and and training. And then other than that, you know, just, uh, you know, nothing nothing really going on. Uh, so, um, you know, it's it's been a new experience. It's been fun. It's been nice to to to, to reach out and and hear from some of the fans and good or bad. And uh, you know, we take it all in. And uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, you know, fans want to see that side uh, of a player. And uh, if we can if we can help uh, keep hockey on the map and grow the game and um, and those type of things, I think that's a good thing. Um, that's about it. I mean, it's, it's been fun more than anything. What's the feeling in the locker room right now where you kind of get this newfound life and I'm sure players like yourself are, are hungry to have an opportunity to make another run, but, but also on the flip side, you have all these young players that don't know what that feeling tastes like yet. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the biggest thing is just, the fact that we're 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 getting a chance to play to compete for to be in the playoffs and you know you go back to the regular season we were uh we were several points out and it wasn't looking good our, our situation and now we're in this opportunity 
it's a great opportunity for us to uh, to try to prove ourselves that we deserve to be in playoffs. It's going to be a tough, uh, tough series against Edmonton. They have two of the best players in the world, if not the two best players in the world, and McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, but it's not just those two guys. There is other players on their team that uh, that are dangerous players, and they're uh, they were ahead of us in the in the standings. So we know we've got our work cut out for us. But I think as a group, we're excited to to have this opportunity and uh, and show that we belong and that uh, we could uh, make some noise uh, as an underdog. I just wanted to circle back to a point you made a couple of moments ago about the importance of getting through these two weeks. Yeah, as things seem back to normal, being back with the guys practicing, how much of a point of emphasis has that been among you guys in the locker room or from the coaching staff about really being careful to get through these two weeks? Yeah, we definitely touched on that today. That was one of the first things uh, mentioned, um, knowing that, uh, you know, nobody is quarantined right now, but at the same time, uh, we need to be smart. To, not only for ourselves but our teammates and uh for the for the group uh, as a whole um it's pretty tough to win when uh it you know in a situation where you know several of your your players are uh are not able to play so try to do all those things away from the rink and off the ice uh and at the rink of course uh to uh to make sure we're we're staying healthy and being smart and safe and protecting ourselves from from uh you know getting the virus and having to sit out um you know it's definitely a a, a unique uh, situation odd situation and um to be in but it's uh, it's one i think that is important and uh, we we have talked about that First, let's talk about uh, his old defensive partner, Duncan Key's old defensive partner in Brent Seabrook. We touched on a little bit going in. Uh, you heard him talk about it. You'll hear from Jonathan Taves uh, discuss uh, Seabrook a little bit more during his session with the media. But uh, hats off to Brent. It, it is really tough uh, in in this situation that we were in on Monday with our observational practice to see you know uh, foot speed or. Um, you know, uh, his ability to, to blend in. He was on a, a fourth pairing, if you will, with this main group. And I think the, the pairings went as everyone kind of anticipated here with um, Duncan Keith being reunited with Adam Boquist, Calvin DeHaan back on the ice with Connor Murphy. That addition would be huge in this series with Edmonton to give the Blackhawks, we've discussed before, two uh, real solid pairings to go up against McDavid, who would be on one line, and Dreisaitl, who would be on another line against Edmonton. Uh, the third pairing of Olimata and Slater Cuckoo, who are really playing solid hockey before the NHL pause the last couple of weeks before uh, play was halted following that game on March 11th. And then Brent Seabrook was paired with Lucas Carlson, a guy who impressed in his handful of games there. But again, uh, no matter where this leads, and the fact that he is back in uniform, it doesn't mean that he is going to be one of those 31 players, depending on what the coaching staff sees, depending how Brent feels through the course of uh, these 13, 14 days or so. But uh, hats off once again to a, a true warrior. And one thing that I was reminded of during all these replays is during those three uh, Stanley Cup runs, how great Brent Seabrook was and, and how key he was coming up with big plays, big goals, 
putting up 25, 30, 30-plus 30 minutes in games when it was needed. And granted, the game has sped up a little bit and Brent has slowed down. We will get to see whether these hip operations w- would help him in that manner. But you can't help but respect what uh, this guy has done. The original timetable was, I believe, uh, four to five months once that last surgery was done in early February. So um, it ended up being the five-month mark. Here we are in early July, and uh, there he is, number seven, Brent Seabrook, back on the ice at Fifth Third Arena. Yeah, definitely a lot of stick taps for the, for a guy that, I mean, remember when he went down with, or basically announced he was going to end his season with these surgeries, and it did kind of come out of nowhere, and it, it's basically, it showed how much it was toying with him of whether or not to go through with it at that time, to cut off the rest of the season so that he could go through with it. And you could you could sense it from his teammates and the other players talking about it, how you know this just kills Brent to, to not be able to finish the year with his team. And now he gets to finish it with his team, possibly, but he's on the ice, he's, he's setting everything up for that to happen. Uh, it just definitely shows his veteran status, like you said, just always always a constant hard worker, and that just shows what type of player and competitor and hockey player he is. Uh, but then on the other side, you know, I think the Hawks are doing the right thing by putting him towards that last line, you know, fourth line, if you will, or fourth pairing. Uh, and Jeremy Colleton even said, we'll hear a little bit more on it later, but everybody's going to get a fair shot to to make this playoff roster. I mean, there's no guarantees. So it's not like Brent Seabrook is a shoe-in, so it it's all going to determine on how he looks, how he skates, how they feel he can contribute. But again, we'll get into this later on in the podcast, that veteran presence in this weird time like this, in this weird playoff setting, Brent Seabrook could be a guy that makes a lot of da- does a lot of damage. You'll hear uh, Jonathan Taves talk about it as, as we tee him up here momentarily. But as we segue into that, um, you know, a newfound opportunity, not only for Brent Seabrook and hopefully for Corey Crawford uh, eventually. Hopefully this is a short-term thing. But uh, uh, you can just sense, and we talked about it when, you know, these ideas were first being kicked around, then it became official, and then even more official last week with the ratification of this return-to-play plan and the collective bargaining agreement on top of that. Uh, the fact that these guys have been missing the playoffs for the last two years and uh, who, who have had a, a taste of such, such success, got to be careful when I say that, and then in the two years prior to the two-year absence being knocked out in the first round, these guys who've been scratching their head and wondering and, and seeing this roster eventually turn over to become a little bit more uh, younger and greener, uh, nevertheless trying to compete on the fly, um, uh, you can just sense that the, the, the Keiths and the Taves and the Canes of the world and even the Brandon Sods of the world uh, are now getting this second opportunity, this new life. And there may be detractors saying, uh, no, it shouldn't be this way. Uh, no matter who wins the Stanley Cup, there should be an asterisk next to their name or whoever qualifies, whoever gets playoff stats, which are now going to be included. That became official. These will be playoff stats, even in the qualifying round. Everyone should have a little asterisk, but um, just like the baseball players are saying, um, hey, if it ends up, if in the end they're rewarding a trophy, I'm all in and I want to be a part of it. And you can you can just feel through their voices that the Taves and the Keys of the world uh, they're chomping at the bit and and really uh, uh, you know grateful for this opportunity that uh, when things weren't looking so good, now through 
just the weirdness of these times, they're going to have this new opportunity, this new door open to them. Yeah, any team that is still alive in this NHL resumption of the season or any fan of a team that's still alive, once once that puck gets dropped, all those thoughts are are going to go away. Unless, I guess, until your team gets eliminated. But it's still going to, that competitive nature is going to come back for all these players, and they're all fighting after the same thing. I, I thought um, I really like how Duncan Keith talked about. Oh, you know, both both sides are not going to have fans in the stands, so it, it is kind of ironic how the Blackhawks are the only team who technically don't have home ice advantage because they're playing where the Oilers typically play. But it's it's so foreign and so new to everybody. And how you said earlier, this is training camp 2.0. It's basically like the season ended and they're starting a new one. Four to five months or however long it's been since these guys skated with each other. And now, all right, let's whip this all up. And uh, maybe we play three games. Maybe we play 15. But we're, we're going to see what the heck happens. And again, I, I've said it before, it's, it's going to go to the team, I believe, that prepares the best, doesn't prepare the most, doesn't prepare the hardest, but just prepares the best in terms of scouting, conditioning, and and talent and everything. That matter of feeling fortunate to be in this position, you will hear in the words of Jonathan Taves as well as we get ready to hear from uh, the captain who touches on a number of subjects, including his reaction and his involvement in the return to play plan, uh, the CBA extension, um, you know, the, the fact that they have to ramp things up over the course of two weeks and the importance of getting through these two weeks. Uh, we'll touch on that a little bit more when uh, after we hear from the captain. And uh, also some interesting thoughts from him when he was asked about trying to reset and, and how he treated the stoppage in play at the snap of a finger when it happened after that game March 11th against the San Jose Sharks. And, and just having to do a complete reset on how his offseason works trying to gauge how much time to take off, time to, uh, try, trying to gauge how much time to sit back and enjoy. And part of that was observing these teams, uh, his team's three Stanley Cup runs, watching some of the replays from 2010 and 2013 and 2015. He talks about stopping and smelling the roses and how it just watching that and never having the time to enjoy that has kind of rejuvenated him and, and kind of re-energized him. It's not to say that's going to automatically revert to that's the way this 2020 season is this crazy 2020 season is going to end but some interesting comments here from Jonathan Taves those among them as uh, we hear from the captain after day one of training camp number two it's it's definitely interesting I mean it's weird it feels like we've been gone for a long time but then all of a sudden you get back on the ice with the guys again and it's like it, it just felt like it you know three four months went by like that so um yeah, it's definitely weird to be here in July, uh, get into a little mini camp, but it's good to be around the boys for a couple of days. It's been a strange time for everybody, but uh, at least that felt somewhat normal. Thanks. Hey, Jonathan, um, I know you're active with the uh, Players Association. I'm wondering, what, what's your level of satisfaction with the return to play protocols and the CBA extension that's all been done in the last couple of weeks here? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, it's um, one of those situations where I think you know, we can go back to the last lockout and previous lockouts and how there's always been a lot of tension in those situations between the players and, and the league. Um, but I think this is one of those situations where both sides really understood that uh, uh, it's it's really crazy time. And 
we need to find a way to work together to, to come up with a, a deal and an understanding that works for, for not only the two of us, but for fans and trying to, um, you know, get our game back out there, provide a, a, um, a safe environment, environment for the players and everyone involved. And let's try our best to get something up and going here. I think, um, you know, everyone's been through a, a lot throughout this, this COVID era. Um, my view is let's let's try and, and you know be the front runners and, and show that uh, you know a lot of people are dealing with this in different ways, but um, there is a safe way and a smart way that we can go about this where we're not affecting uh, people with health issues. And let's try our best to, to get back to our normal lives and get get hockey going again. So um, I think I'm pretty happy, pretty excited about the the agreement uh, as far as the CBA goes. Again you're going to find all sorts of different attitudes as far as the bubble and, and uh, that whole isolation. I mean, I feel like we've been in isolation f- for three or four months, not doing a whole heck of a lot. So part of me just says, let's, you know, being away from people, isolating ourselves isn't really the answer. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and talk about my views uh, too much in that sense. Uh, at the end of the day, there's a sacrifice we have to make and it'll be nice to, to get things going. So how do you uh, balance between getting ready for something like a playoff experience in such a short period of time with also not putting yourself at increased injury risk as you try and like get everything going in, in kind of a brief window? I mean, it's, it's tough. You gotta, you gotta find that, that proper balance of uh, how hard you can push yourself. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, we got a couple of weeks. So you gotta try and take uh, as big a strides as you can as a player and as a team every single day uh but not get to a point where you you push it too far and and then you do more damage than good so um i think we're doing our best to get in the mindset to to watch some video uh go through the reps go through the motions um get that feel down uh and then just start cranking because you know you you get into a game uh it's going to be night and day and kind of the way it is going from summer hockey to uh to training camp the pace is always higher and, and you know everyone kind of feels that change of pace. So, um, yeah, we're, we're trying the best we can to try and uh, to, to integrate and, and, you know, take take steps every single day. Uh, hey, Jonathan, uh, I was just wondering if you guys feel fortunate that you're in this uh, uh, playoffs, uh, considering you had like a 4% chance at the, to make the playoffs at the end of the season. And how do you think uh, the, uh, the roster stands? I mean, the veteran roster, how you will fare uh, – basically uh in a short three uh, best of five series well i mean it's it's a heck of an opportunity uh you know we were kind of going down that road where our playoff chances were, were dwindling um it would have been a long shot otherwise but um you know we, we got the, we, we were able to sneak in under these rules under this format so it's it's an opportunity for all of us. I think uh, regardless of whether there's fans in the building or not, there's something to play for, um, a lot of pride. You know, I think it's good experience for everyone because, I mean, the veteran guys who play a lot of playoff hockey have never been through something like this before. Uh, and the young guys who have never played in the playoffs, I mean, there's no better opportunity to try and get your feet wet and, and try and show your teammates what you can do. So, um, you know, every game – 
that thought of the cup being online has to be uh, in the back of your mind. You win one game, there's no telling how far you can go. So we'll really try and, and build that, uh, that feeling and that mindset in the locker room over the next couple of weeks before we start. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, playing in Edmonton with the restart? Uh, obviously, it'll be the Oilers' home arena, but also uh, one of the more modern facilities in the league with, with good amenities for the away team as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good just to have that simplicity. You know, who knows how much of an advantage, disadvantage it is for anybody to be uh, in that building. I don't know. I mean, I think it's an adjustment for everybody. So I don't I don't think uh, it's hard to see it being an advantage for the Edmonton team um, a whole lot. So, you know. We'll still try and uh, play that 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 role that we're the we're the road team and try and make things hard on them. Uh, Duncan mentioned how important these next few weeks are, especially where uh, you're in your hosts, you know, in your home city, and a lot of these other teams are in home cities too. And you can control things around the rink, but away from it, you got hot spots and and things are a little bit harder to control. How, how important is just I guess players being dis- disciplined away from the rink for? Uh, you know, virus not the spread, and and for this to be pulled off for you guys as a league. I don't know. I mean, does anybody really know how and when people catch this thing? I mean, I think uh, the best you can do is get good rest, um, eat healthy, take care of your body, do all the little things. Kind of, uh, you know, do the little things that that lower your chances and. What else can you do? Sitting around and worrying about it is, is just going to drive you crazy. And, um, you know, I think the NHL's going to great lengths to create a safe environment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not, per- it's far from perfect at the end of the day, but, um, everyone has their own different, their own beliefs and seeing where they stand with all this. So it's, it's up to you to really, uh, you know, do the right thing to be respectful of others, but also take care of yourself. Jonathan, the last few months, did you go back and rewatch any of your team's classic games from the championship bronze? If you did, what kind of feeling did that give you as you looked ahead to this opportunity? I sure did. Um, I mean, it's exciting. I think just the whole, I mean, at least the first month or two of when everything stopped, uh, I felt like I had more time than I've had in my entire life since I was a kid to really just sit around and daydream and just really unplug from this momentum that you're kind of caught up in where it's, you know, training all summer and, and training camp. And the next thing you know, it's Christmas time, then the all-star break and the trade deadline, then you're pushing for the playoffs and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then you just do that over and over. You're in this kind of annual Groundhog's Day almost and, and time just flies like you wouldn't believe. So to me, it was it was good to have all this time to sit there and really uh, stop and, and have a minute to smell the roses, as they say, and, and watch some of those old games and appreciate really how lucky I've been because even though it's been five years since we won a championship – uh we've had a couple long off seasons but you're still the the second the season's over uh in your mind at least for myself I'm pretty much on the clock thinking how I need to prepare for next year and you're never really looking back you're always looking forward so it was kind of nice to see those games and and really appreciate them for um how special those moments were 
I'm, I'm sure today felt more like the beginning of the season, a lot of smiles and, and catching up to do. But obviously you look at these next two weeks and maybe this newfound opportunity that you guys um, have, especially obviously as veteran players wanting to get back to playing that meaningful hockey, but also the flip side of the, the younger players getting that opportunity, even though there won't be fans in attendance. What, what, I guess what, what are your overall thoughts on just having this newfound opportunity as a group? I mean, it's huge. Like I was saying earlier, for our, our young guys who've never played in the playoffs before, um, the older veterans who've, you know, it's been a few years, uh, it's a great chance for everybody to to uh, to jump in. I think nowadays, you know, you just have to make the playoffs, and it's so tough to get out of that first round. But if you can build that confidence up, get a few wins, you really get that feeling like, hey, like there's no telling how far you can go. Um so we want, we want to take advantage of this. We're not taking it lightly for sure. Hey, Jonathan, just curious as a veteran who's been around for many playoff runs, how unique is the situation to be able to go into a postseason with a fully healthy body? You, you, with a fully healthy body, you have some time to kind of recoup and re- regenerate after a long season and really hit the ground running from day one. I mean, it's definitely kind of nice. Uh, I was joking with uh, a couple of the guys today. It's just uh, this is kind of a, a long bye week almost. Um, you know, I think the guys on our team, I mean, I was pretty impressed. There was uh, a couple mistakes in practice today, but it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Guys seem really ready to go and excited to play hockey. And uh, I think guys have been doing a really good job of taking their body, taking care of their body and getting ready for this. So, um, it's, it's, you, you got to get the mental rest and the physical rest whenever you can. And, and that would be the silver lining of the last few months for sure. How surprised were you to see Brent Seabrook out there today, fully participating, you know, knowing the surgeries he had in the winter? I mean, uh, right away after his surgeries, I was, I was really impressed at how quick he bounced back. Um, he just seems to be so like physically resilient and maybe that's just something special about him that uh, he can have three surgeries back to back to back like that and just kind of keep on trucking. Been training with him, uh, you know, before he went home to, to Canada for a little bit and just seeing him in the gym and seeing, seeing him on the ice, obviously the conditioning and, and that, that pop and that strength is really going to come back in a stride, but he just seems to be really healthy. And I think, uh, Knowing what he's done and how, how, how much he's laid on the line for this team uh, over the last decade or more, uh, it's, it's crazy to see uh, how much he's been through and how much he's given to this team. So it's nice to see him get that opportunity to really take care of himself and focus on himself for once because he's, he's what that guy always seems to uh, put the team before himself no matter what. Some interesting stuff there from the captain, not only on his thoughts on the return to play plan and and getting hockey back on the map and the very hard work that was done behind the scenes and the cooperation really unbeknownst previously to the NHL, which used to be strike and lockout city uh, of all the four major sports, of getting things done using this downtime in a valuable fashion to secure things for the next uh, four or five years for the foreseeable future. I'm sorry, for the first next five or six years, I should say. But also... Uh, you know, like the rest of us, uh, there are certain things that I think we all believe should and need to be done. But in terms of direct answers on how we're in the end going to get through this, 
yes, there are certain steps and, and, and protocols that we should all do. But in the end, no one has a direct answer. It's kind of a throw your arms up in the air. Let's try this. Let's try and be as safe as we can and see if we can pull this off. And I think, you know, everyone's kind of excited about the possibilities that if we get to this point and can play through an entire playoffs, it's going to be wild and crazy. At times, there's going to be six games per day to watch during the qualifying round after going four months completely without hockey, five months by the time they would, would begin playing. So it's going to be very exciting, but with the rest of us, Jonathan's kind of like, okay, well, we thought we knew what we had to do, but then this happened, and you know, everyone's kind of just throwing you-know-what at the wall and, and trying to see what sticks, and and uh, at the same time trying to get back to doing what they love, having fans watch what they love, and hopefully we all come out through the other side of this uh, with you know, uh, not too many... Not too many uh, I hate to use the word casualties, but, you know, you hope to see this through without the worst happening. And, and, and hopefully it can be a springboard to, uh, you know, some happiness, some inspiration and getting through to the other side of what has been a mess here over the last four months. Yeah, I think the main thing Jonathan Taves is trying to get across is to be cautiously optimistic. And I think that's what everyone has to do right now, because as of right now, you know, middle July, yeah, okay, training camp. We've got baseball teams practicing right now, plans set for the NBA. But out of the big four sports, we have yet to see a game in America. And we don't really know what's going to happen when somebody tests positive for it when the season happens. Of course, yes, they'll quarantine them as, as soon as possible. Um, they'll test the heck out of them to make sure that it doesn't continue to show symptoms or uh, put other people in danger. But we really don't know what's going to happen with the scheduling and and a team's efforts to, to move forward. Like, what if Patrick Kane comes down with the illness as they're going on this series against Edmonton? I mean, that totally changes the team. We already discussed about the possibility of that being with Corey Crawford. You just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how it affects teams' chances. But again, you don't know what it's how it could affect the scheduling. I mean, what if a team ends up having a handful of players that test positive. Are they allowed to play? Are they allowed to to continue with the current schedule that's going on? Because that's going to throw a whole monkey wrench into the whole plan. So I, the whole idea for this, with every sport really, is to just have a plan in place. We're going to do the best we can, take all the precautions necessary, do everything we can to isolate everybody. And I, I really liked how a, a few of the people that spoke today talked about you got to hold your teammates accountable. Mm-hmm. You you, you got to make sure people are not just being reckless about the season resuming. You have to keep everyone in line, keep everyone responsible for their own actions because not only are you letting down your teammates, you're possibly letting down humanity with with either it stopping a season or a team's chances in a season or stopping the progression of solving this whole pandemic that we're trying to get through all as human beings. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, what, uh, how even more, I shouldn't say even more careful because everyone has to be careful, but the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, what they could be exposed at with some of the just out-of-this-world numbers that, that, that are popping up there, the Dallas Stars in Texas, the Arizona Coyotes, down in Arizona, how careful they will have to be. Heck, you know, Austin Matthews talked earlier on Monday admitting that he came down with the virus, very mild symptoms. He was asymptomatic, but he was training down in Arizona. 
and he was one of these star players. So what happens if a Tampa Bay team, all of a sudden, uh, a Stamkos and a Kucherov and a Hedman on the eve of this thing all come up testing positive? In the Blackhawks case, what if a Kane or a Keith ends up doing that? You know, heaven forbid. And the same thing with any number of teams. That's the wild card that they are facing, and that's why these two weeks are going to be so important. And, you know, as we get set now to hear from the head coach, Jeremy Collison, with some of his comments here, these two weeks are also, you know, kind of a, a tightrope and a fine line that he and the training staff have to have to uh, take in getting these players ready for what is a full uh, full-speed sprint right out of the gate If you get to August 1st, because everything is on the line, there is no tiptoeing as the first two or three games of an 82-game season. I mean, it is all on the line right off the bat with whoever you have available. So these two weeks, it's, it's going to be extremely important to... You know, find that happy medium for Jeremy, his coaching staff, and his training staff to get these guys conditioned. The end of Monday's practice, there was a good 10, 15 minutes of guys circling the rink for... Two or three times, putting their sticks on their knees, huffing and puffing, and then the whistle blowing and, and putting it up again. So uh, hard scrimmages, workouts, conditioning, and that's where uh, Jeremy Carlton, we picked up his Q&A with reporters on Monday. We don't have much time. Uh, We've we got to make use of every day we have. And uh, you know that's the upside of, of having that, uh, you know, the phase two was relatively long. So I think most of the guys have had a chance to be on and, and uh, get up to speed. It wasn't the first time they've been on the ice, and these guys are—they've been training at a high level, even if it wasn't the perfect conditions. Um, these guys are pros, and and uh, they're ready. So, you know, we're trying to be as smart as we can uh, with the load. Uh, there wasn't a lot of stops and starts. Uh, there was a lot of skating, we're trying to get their skating legs back. But uh, I think we had a little bit of everything today. We had, uh, you know, some habits, uh, some some pace. Uh, some contacts, some battles, some compete things, uh, some five-on-five play. We They got a chance to scrimmage. I think we're going to see a lot of that. We're trying to – there's only one exhibition game, we think. So um, trying to get them that game uh, level, that game feeling as quick as we can. So we're going to scrimmage quite a bit here uh, through through this camp. And, uh, you know, again, we don't have much time, so we've got to make use of every every day. And just to kind of um... – expand on that uh how deeply do you go into you know uh sports science and and um other information you can gather and trying to weigh the pros and cons of getting these guys up to speed without putting them in in dangerous situations i imagine it's a real fine line you have to walk yeah for sure We, we use the tools we have uh you know, we're talking to Polly uh, as as the day goes on, as the practice goes on, to see where they're at and trying to find that sweet spot. Uh, we have to challenge them because that's the only way we're going to get them ready to play. But uh, certainly, we don't want to be dealing with a bunch of injuries. Uh, there's not enough time to to have uh, you know to rehab guys and then get them up to playoff level. Um, so it's it's a unique situation, but everyone's going through the same thing across the league. And uh, the challenge for us is just to do it better than everyone else and, and uh, particularly better than Edmonton. So um, it's a challenge, but we're excited about it. Hey, Jeremy, how do you see some of the veterans coming in, um, maybe benefiting from this kind of layoff where they're now entering a playoff scenario where their bodies are healthy, uh, maybe for the first time in their careers? 
Yeah, thanks, Carter. I think the biggest thing is just the excitement uh, that we are going into a playoff and the opportunity to compete for another cup. Um, you know, the guys who've been through it before and, and you know, won cups or, or been on runs, uh, you know, the season can be sometimes long. And, and to, to, to know that we're going right into a, a playoff series, I think that'll, that'll help them to, to get ramped up and get excited. And uh, I think we see that already with the thought today was, was pretty good pace uh, for day one. And, and uh, hopefully that'll, that'll help our guys to reach their highest level. What does it mean to you that you have a veteran like Brent Seabrook who's had three surgeries, yet he's there on the ice He's, you know, he's, he's involved with the team. And what type of expectations do you have for him as far as contributing to you? Yeah, he's, uh, he's been through a lot. You know, obviously he's played hurt and uh, that, that's never easy. And he's, he's proven, um, you know, he's, he's going to pay the price for the team to win. And he's gone through those surgeries and, and uh, it's been a difficult rehab for him. So uh, happy to see him on the ice first and foremost. And, um, you know, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but the fact that he's here and he can provide his experience and uh, his presence in the room to the group, that's, it's a huge benefit for us. And, and then we'll see, um, you know, we have some time here to, for him to, to get skating again and, and be around the team and, and we'll see how it turns out going forward. Uh, hi coach. If Corey was unable to go, would uh, one of the three have a upper hand or would you see competition or how do you look at that? Uh, we've told them it's, uh, it's going to be based on how they perform and, and they're all going to be given equal opportunity. And, you know, we have, uh, Matt Tompkins here as well, who, um, you know, he's been a, a really done a good job, uh, at the American league and East coast levels. And so it's an opportunity for him to compete as well. So, um, there's obviously, um, at the end, we're going to have to make a decision, but we want those guys to make it as difficult as, as possible. And Jeremy Carlton's comments uh, there at the end bring us full circle to the, to the goalie situation. You heard him talking at the, at the top there about the conditioning, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how sore some of these guys are. Again, elite trained athletes, and a lot of these guys have been in for a week or two or three during these Phase 2 voluntary workouts, but it what comes down to full speed, these drills with coaches on the ice working with them. Uh, this is getting back to what it's really all about. But again, as we mentioned, full circle, uh, the question moving forward is if and when we might see number 50 on the ice. In the meantime, it is up to Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia to uh, hold the hold the blue paint if and when until that happens. And you know that is going to be the continuing storyline here. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we've known it a lot with Corey over the course of the past three years. With an entirely different situation, and here he was really hitting a groove after the trade of Robin Leonard, uh, leaving you feel very confident about what Corey Crawford could bring to the table if play ever did resume, and now we're wondering, of course, uh, if he's going to be there at all. It's just going to have to be a day-by-day thing, and uh, the hysteria of social media is just going to have to try and tamp down with each passing day, and uh, hopefully eventually we'll see number 50 skate out there on the ice. Got word from our buddy Sam Paniotovich a little bit earlier today. He's our buddy? Yeah, well, okay. he's my buddy at least. <laughs> we can call you two an acquaintances. Um, he said, well, he's, he's giving me the odds from Vegas live. Blackhawks are 45 to 1 odds to win the series with Corey Crawford. Well, there, there there's no oh, okay. and he, no he was kind of he was kind of confused by that. He didn't hear the Crawford news yet. Uh, honestly, okay, those odds make sense. So that's uh, again, it's because of the alternative. All respect in the world to Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia, Kevin Lankin and everyone else involved, but you're talking about a multiple 
Stanley Cup winning goaltender. Not only that, a guy that was performing mightily after the trade, who was performing great before the trade. A guy that just, when he's on a hot streak, he's almost unstoppable. You're talking about a totally different team without him. So a lot is going to come down to that situation. We haven't even talked about the whole draft situation, too, the draft lottery, mm-hmm. that if the Hawks happen to lose that opening series... One and eight chance? Could work in their favor, so it's almost like a win-lose either way, but clearly nobody on that team is going to say, yeah, you know, let's just let's toss this in the, in the river and see what happens with the draft lottery. And I take it fans don't want that to happen, too, once... Again, oh, some fans do. Some fans do, but again, once the puck drops, let's say Corey Crawford's in and the puck drops, everyone is going to be screaming at their TVs, hoping for the Blackhawks to win. That's it's it's just the competitive nature that takes over. Uh, but yeah, totally different team without him. Yeah, you, again, you can't look at the Colin Delia in hindsight, the Colin Delia trade in hindsight, because no one expected this pandemic or anything like that to happen. Um, man, what what a change in the storyline of this season today in training camp day number one. Well, we'll see if it gets back on track. Hopefully it will over the course of the next two weeks. And yeah, yeah, you said since that Robin Leonard trade. And prior to that, Corey Crawford in his last 20 starts this season, 10-9-1, which doesn't sound too spectacular, but a 9.28 save percentage and a 2.35 goals against average. He won both of the games that the Blackhawks, he was in the net for both of the games the Blackhawks won against the Edmonton Oilers this season. And hopefully that is the case. Uh, you mentioned the draft. Uh, the, by the way, the Blackhawks will be no worse than uh, drafting ninth or tenth if they don't, if they do lose in the qualifying round and they don't get Alexi Lafreniere, the number one overall pick, they will uh, draft no worse than ninth or tenth. Uh, in that situation, that will come, what, two days after the last possible day of the Stanley Cup, as all these dates were put in place last week when the CBA was finalized. But then also concerning Corey Crawford uh, and this collective bargaining agreement is what Stan Bowman is going to have to deal with, with the salary cap situation. And part of the CBA and the great unknown in terms of NHL revenues, whether fans do get back in the stands eventually, um, and when they are allowed back in, how many are eager to come back in, and no matter what setup it is inside arenas, they had to lock in the salary cap at what it was this past season, which is roughly $81.5 million over the course of the next two, gradually going up then after, depending on hockey revenues. But that is not great news for the Blackhawks, who um, you know have... Dominic Kubalik, a restricted free agent. Same for Dylan Strom. Um, and Drake Kajula. Corey Crawford will be an unrestricted free agent as we take a look at this Blackhawks overall goaltender picture moving forward. We know how good Corey was before the break. We've been talking about it. But is he going to be available for the resumption of play? And during Stan Bowman's uh, Q&A session with the media on Monday, um, that was among the topics that, that he addressed. The fact that the Blackhawks have themselves a tough job here moving forward with a flat salary cap of about $81.5 million coming up over the last over the course of the next two seasons, courtesy of this new CBA, and he provided this reaction. I think the biggest thing with the cap is that uh, we finally know where it's going to be. Uh, you know, it's probably going to stay pretty flat the, well, the next two years for sure, and even in the following years, there, there probably won't be huge cap growth going forward. So, uh, I think the what that means is um, making sure that you plan your roster out 
in the short term and in the long term. And I think it goes to show the importance of having young players that uh, can continue to contribute to your team. And I think that's really the key if you want to have uh, success in, in a system where the, the cap's not growing. Uh, you need to have those young players. I mean, certainly the young players are on their entry-level contracts, their lower dollar amount contracts, and I think it provides uh, the opportunity to remain competitive. Um, but you're going you to have a young group, and uh, you're going to rely on those guys, give them bigger, uh, bigger roles, uh, more opportunity. And, um, you know, there's a lot of details that, uh, are coming out on that. I've read through the, the CBA memorandum a couple times. Um, and we've had discussions about, you know, how our team is going to look and how we're going to make it uh, all work out with the cap. So those conversations are ongoing. Uh, but I think if you're, if you're taking more high level look at it, not in the weeds, I think the, the bottom line is, uh, not just the Blackhawks, but every team's faced with a, a flat cap for a few years going forward, and uh, it's going to put the importance on uh, finding and uh, developing young players. And I think the good news for us is we've got a, a number of them already uh, who are breaking into our lineup this year. Uh, I think you know we we gave a lot of young players an opportunity. We've got some more on the way, and we're going to continue to rely on those guys going forward. Stan Bowman there being uh, very calm, as he always is, with the hand that he has been dealt. And uh, it is going to have to be a, 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 a math challenge that he is going to have to work his way through here over the next couple of years. But again, as you heard him say, it is the importance of having those young players on their first contract being valuable contributors. And we have begun to see that with uh, the Debrinkets of the world, and Grant, he was signed to his extension, as Joe puts on his his sunglasses as we tape here. The sun is streaming <laughs> right in my face. Monday I... night, as the, uh, the sun uh, comes in our, in our uh, studios here, taping for the podcast. I'm going to call him Joe Cool with his shades <laughs> on here. But it is the hand he's been dealt and the importance of young players stepping up. There are some fat contracts that still have a, a few years to run, the forms of uh, Kane and Taves, and they remain productive, and, and Duncan Keith as well. But it is the Boquists and the Docks of the world, the Debrinkets, when his contract, uh, a better contract for him, kicks in next season, and uh, some of these other younger players, um, Ian Mitchell, uh, whenever he is brought aboard, it's going to be up to those young players to be factors and contributors at a much lower price that they're going to have to deal with. And it also, of course, involves uh, the future of Corey Crawford. And that is certainly going to be the storyline here moving forward over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks on whether uh, Corey Crawford is able to going to uh, skate out on the ice. This is not to say by any means that, uh, you know, they could not do it with a, a, a Colin Delia or a Malcolm Subban, but man, uh, having a two-time cup winner and uh, at least having, hopefully, you know, a, a week or so of work under his belt without any other uh, hits to the roster. Joe, uh, we knew going into this we were moving into the great unknown and there were going to be any amount of possibilities from one end to the other. And each of the 24 teams is going to have to deal with it. We thought the Blackhawks were in good shape, but when we did not see Corey Crawford report be the only guy not to report to the voluntary practices up until last weekend. Uh, there was a thought in the back of your mind that maybe a situation was developing there, and all the Blackhawks and their fans can hope for is it's a uh, a uh, 
short-term situation. And we see Corey back on the ice here. Yeah, it was clearly a curveball, and we won't get... Get used to it. Uh, we, yeah, right, and we won't get any answers either. We might never get any answers. It, it depends on how far the Blackhawks go. It depends on how long Corey Crawford's out for. Um, because the NHL is, it's funny, the way they phrase it is the NHL is prohibiting teams from announcing medical disclosure about players. It doesn't say they are allowing teams to do it. So again, like, is this the NHL making sure you cannot say what is going on with the player? Because we brought it up earlier. If it's a muscle spasm, what if the Blackhawks just want to say it? They want to say, yeah, he'll be out a little bit. That narrows things down even further for the speculation about the coronavirus. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, just nothing but questions. Um, And and just briefly, what you were talking about earlier with the salary cap, I, I really enjoyed Ben Pope's article a few weeks back, just bringing awareness of how this affects the, you know, obviously everyone talks about the backlashes of the Brent Seabrook contract, but it, it does become more dire for the Blackhawks moving forward with the next couple of years if the salary cap stays stagnant because that was supposed to be expected wiggle room for the team to work around, and it, it continues to be a large chunk of the salary cap, so that's something to keep in mind moving forward with it too. But again, fantastic to see Brent Seabrook on the ice today, fantastic to see him moving forward from these surgeries and you know hopefully he can be or provide that veteran presence for these playoffs that are about to come up by the way how, how great was it to just be at fifth third arena today it was it was uh and uh, and d- d- doubled on that great to see calvin dehan out there too but uh yeah it, it, it was a different situation temperature check as soon as you walk in all the reporters <laughs> six feet away which is probably better for for some of us with uh, some of our Fellow media members, you don't need not, to be talking not, everyone's ears off. Not, all the, what was your What was your temperature no walking in? You remember uh, your numbers? I was, uh, what was I? A ninety-seven uh, seven. Wow! I think. Look at you. That's what it was. Uh, and you always want to say, you know, do some kind of radio promotion, whatever your temperature is sometimes. <laughs> um, you don't want to go too far up the scale there. But, uh, uh, yeah, different world here, but, you know, we'll take a different world if we can make this thing happen. And after sitting around twiddling our thumbs for, for four months just to get this opportunity, and hopefully it is an opportunity and uh, a situation that sees itself through. I mean, we're talking about, Awarding the Stanley Cup in in uh, the first week of October, the draft a couple of days later, free agency a couple of weeks after that, and then a training camp opening up November 17th, and next season opening up December 1st. Let's hope we all get there, but it, you, also, you almost have to think short-term and day-to-day. You have to do it because... Uh, we, by, uh, by all means, are not out of the woods yet. So uh, I think, uh, what do you say, early next week, perhaps next Monday, we can circle back and do another podcast, see where the Blackhawks are by then. That sounds good to me. If, uh, if you are available, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more clarity by then in terms of the personnel situation, and we don't see any more bodies go down. But uh, you, you simply have to be prepared for it in this uh, day and age. And we hope all of you out there are, are healthy as well, continue to stay that way, continue to stay safe. We appreciate you joining us here on a Blackhawks Crazy podcast, the version of a team getting back on the ice in the middle of July. Usually this week, I think it would be Prospects Camp opening up at uh, at Fifth Third Arena instead. Uh, Everybody is out there trying to get uh, back into the swing of things. Our thanks to our producer, Curtis Koch, for putting this all together. Again, we appreciate your listenership. Uh, We will aim to get back 
at you with another recording perhaps next Monday to post on Tuesday. Maybe something a little bit earlier in that, but we will keep you posted. Uh, keep track on WGNRadio.com. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets on Twitter. We'll tweet out the links as well and uh, make you aware of any new podcasts that we have uh, at that time, prior to that or after that. And Joe is at, at Joe underscore brand, the number one, at Joe underscore brand one on Twitter. And we, uh, again, encourage you to subscribe on uh, podcast, on Apple Podcast. And uh, if you are a subscriber, of course, they'll be ready for you right there in your box as soon as a new edition is out there. So for our producer, Curtis Koch, thanks to Krista Flores for her help in setting us up here as well. And for Joe Brand, I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore Brand One. That was great!